3: It's an off-duty Thursday. Well, off-duty for the Eagles, not for us here on Birds 365. And us would be a triumvirate. As you can see, we are all well ocean-placed. That's uh, virtually Uh, yours truly, Jody McDonald. My usual co-host, John McMullen, will be here for hour number one. And my fill-in co-host, Jeff Kerr, who's aboard as well. Uh, J.M.'s got uh, Eagle reporter duties for hour number two, so he'll stick around for hour number one uh, before departing for the Novacare Complex. Guys, do we get to kick back and relax and take it easy like the Eagles now that the off season is over and done with? Why are you me and uh, Jeff Carr sitting here, John McMullen, working our tails off when the Eagles are already done for the offseason?
4: Yeah, uh, the NFL never sleeps. They're not. I mean, that's one of the things with Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni talked that uh, talked about that yesterday about his un, unrelenting work ethic. Uh, just because you go away from the Novacare complex doesn't mean you can sit on the couch and and do all that kind of stuff in the modern NFL. If you want to be successful, so it never stops. It just the CBA says you got to. Uh, stop doing football stuff uh, at this particular time of the year. And I'll pick up July 26th when players report to the NovaCare complex. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's more important than ever for, for players to sort of get uh, their offseason regimens in place and be ready. Dallas Goddard talked about going to tight end university again which is going to go on in Nashville. Um, You have all these, you know, Von Miller just had his past rushing summit. Lane Johnson hasn't been here. He's been doing offensive line line masterminds down down in Texas. So uh, you have all these things happening uh, all over, and you can't just – it's not like the old days, Jody, where you go sell insurance in the offseason. If you're selling insurance, you're you're going to be in trouble come September.
5: Yeah, John, you know – this whole week for me has been a whirlwind and it's only the first week of June. So
6: we're,
5: we're doing our, it's list season. So we're doing all our lists and we're ranking this, ranking that. And then after a 10 hour story that I just fought for CBS.com last night, it's up now best duos in the NFL, or I rank duos on each team. I I forget what it was already. but (laughs) As soon soon as i am done that, Oh, can you get this to Sean Watson news? Oh, Cooper Cup just signed an extension. This thing, it's like New York. It never sleeps.
4: Yeah. Yeah, how about Cooper Cup? How about the Rams, guys? My, my, I mean, I'll tell you. They, uh, they, they prove you can pay whoever you want to pay in the moment. And, you know, I think about the Rams. People forget, though, the Rams are, are similar to the Eagles in that, They've always been one of those teams that identifies their young talent early. and In other words, they're willing to sign those extensions early for the most part. Now, Aaron Donald, obviously, is later in his career. But if you go all the way back to Todd Gurley, where it didn't work out because of the knee, he was a phenomenal player. People forget uh, before the knee kind of went south on him. But the Rams extended him early, and it didn't work out because the health issues started to crop up. Same thing with Jared Goff. I mean, they extended him early, and obviously that was a a poor decision. So the Rams kind of proved two things. One, you should identify players early, which the Eagles do for the most part, and, and get them signed early because the money's only going up. But the second part is you can make mistakes and still recover. And and I think the Eagles have realized that as well with Carson Wentz. They proved it. Hey, you know what? We were wrong. Let's admit we were wrong. Let's pull the plug. Let's go in another direction. Now, Eagles have not necessarily done that with Jalen Rager, but you get the point. Um, you got to be able to identify talent early, but you also got to be able to identify mistakes early. I think in this league.
5: It's funny how the Rams and the Eagles too. They both did it within the span of three weeks. The Rams traded, you know, the whole Cabo, Sean McVay, meet Matthew Stafford, that type of thing. Then they trade Jared Goff. They find a taker for him. And then three weeks later, the Eagles find a taker for Carson Wentz. And and remember, I think it was January of 2020 or, you know, 2021. And we're like, who's going to actually trade for these contracts? Well, they found takers and they'll say, hey, the Rams gave up picks. So – Jared Goff's trade was a lot harder to do than Carson Wentz. They also got better return because they got Matthew Stafford in the deal. But when you got Carson Wentz, it was—I was still shocked the Eagles were able to get just a second and a third. in the obviously we all know second became a first. And yeah, you know, I, I did the long story about how Carson Wentz eventually turned to AJ Brown and this and that because you know outside dealings with Howie Roseman. But it's just amazing how when you have a, a forward-thinking general manager, how
3: you can rebuild your franchise quickly. And the Rams have done just that. They've got a Super Bowl ring to show for it. And they will very much be in the uh, race for a, another one this year. But at some point, that bill's got to come due, John. I, I get it that they're
2: mm. very
3: good at paying people when they deserve to be paid. But they've got such big contracts. at some I point. Know,
4: I know. <laughs> but the cap's going up, you know, boring yeah, another yeah. pandemic or something of that nature. Um, it's only going to explode. Uh, there's going to be more money in the future. They're, they're betting on that. Um, to a certain degree, the Eagles are because the Eagles are probably at the forefront of the voidable, uh, years movement, as I like to call it in the NFL. Uh, everybody gets a five-year deal, but it's really, you know, one year, two years, whatever. Uh, but you, you, you have the ability to sp- out that that bonus over five years and that's the new in thing for the nfl and the eagles are at the forefront of that They're one right, of the but, teams that sort of started that
3: i understand everything you say but i think theirs is a unique situation they've gone so deep and so high with not just one or two players five players um, I, 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 let me ask it to you this way because Cooper cup added three more years to an already existing two-year deal. So his contract runs through 2026. Would you like to wager with me that some point between now and 2026, the Rams will be an 11 loss team?
4: Uh, uh No, because that's the NFL. I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, when Matthew Stafford uh, goes, you know, Unfortunately, it's a quarterback driven league. Let's be honest. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, Matthew Stafford's also proof and I brought it up that it takes more than a quarterback to win because he was years in Detroit and you and I used to have those discussions, Jody. And, you know, everybody, you, you weren't the only one. Everybody said, well, Matthew Stafford can't win games in Detroit. You elevate people, great quarterbacks. All of a sudden he gets around great talent. He wins a Super Bowl. And, and that kind of changes the narrative, even though they could have lost to Tampa Bay. Let's be honest. They could have lost to uh, uh, Cincinnati if Aaron Donald didn't make the big play at the end of the game. Uh, that's how razor thin that margin is. Uh, so you need more than a quarterback, but you need the quarterback, most importantly. And if he goes down, you have another Jared Goff type. And And by go down, I don't necessarily mean injury, but age whatever age out not the same player um yeah they're going to be probably an 11 loss team and as i said i think i said yesterday on the show sean mcbay will probably get the heck out of there he'll, oh he'll, he'll be, be the first long one gone. to know the, it the next the yeah. next head coach in the Rams yeah. is
3: going to be the one who's going to have to suffer yeah. through the 6 and 11 season but it is coming at some point because a couple of the guys like stafford like donald uh, uh, aren't playing for the next five years. So we're talking about a smaller window for those guys. And at some point, F those draft picks come back to bite you in the, you know where. So at some yeah. point the Rams are going to not only go backwards, they're going to get bad and they're going to have to go through a rebuild. Right now, that's not the case. Right now, they're uh, certainly at the top of the list of those who can. you got to hit on some day three
4: issues. picks, which the Rams have done. You have they to hit on them some off. day three picks. So the Rams have, when they say F them picks, they've done a pretty good job when it comes to leader in the draft, at least finding a player here and there. You know, I think fans get too caught up in everybody's go. No, you're just looking for a player here or there that could develop into a starter on day three. They've done a pretty good job with that o- over the years and that's that's part of the equation as well because look that part's never going to change and I think Seattle's the best example of that Seattle was great I mean the best team in football when Russell Wilson was on his rookie deal and then when they had to pay Russell Wilson all of a sudden some of their debts started to erode And they weren't the same team because you can't have that same kind of depth if you don't hit on those day three picks. So it's all kind of the puzzle all fits together. But when you have great players, Jody, you have to pay them. I mean, there's no getting out of it unless you want to be a losing losing organization. I mean, that's just the reality of sports. You have to pay great players. Otherwise, they're going to go somewhere else, and you don't have the great player. So – I don't want to. I keep, I, if I was an owner, I don't want to pay him. I want to get the best deal possible. But you're going to stink if you don't pay him. So, I yeah, I don't know another way you can go. I keep looking
5: at the Rams window
4: 2024
5: because they got three years of Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald. I did the list last night. Uh, Joe uh, Joe Noboom, uh their left tackle. Bobby Wagner's in there. Um, Yeah, how about
4: Bobby Wagner?
5: Yeah, Alan Robinson's on on that list of their their star players. Jalen Ramsey's another one. That's pretty much their window of contention. And then you're right, John and Jody, then the picks start to hit. And I think, coincidentally, that's when they have their next first-round pick. So – I think that's when the rebuild comes, and like you guys said, I think McVay will be long out of there. He'll have his legacy set. He'll probably start his TV career at that point if he wants to do that. Maybe he'll try a new venture. But
4: yeah, I said Jeff. I said he's going to build Jackson. He's not going to go away from coaching. He's going to pick his spot. He's going to look around and say this year. Not that he would want to go, but if, if if we were to fast forward. He's going to pick a spot and say Trevor Lawrence, a Trevor Lawrence type is there and they have an open job. He's going to go there. He's going to build Jackson this thing and just increase his, his his reputation and his legacy by, by winning a title somewhere else. He's going to be, he's going to go in the booth for a year or two, but he's not going to be John Gruden. He's going to, he's going to fill Jackson himself. That's my and, prediction. Uh, I, I, would,
3: I would guess somewhere between. Closer to a quick turnaround than waiting a decade decade like Gruden uh, did. But I don't know if it'll only be a year or two. We got to find the right
4: spot. That's uh, I mean, you do have to find the right right spot.
3: Uh, Combine the perfect spot coming up with the fact that, uh, oh, by the way, they're going to pay him a lot of money. They're gonna pay him more. We're seeing what Brady is. Brady's making more to announce than he did to play, and he was a quarterback. So who do you think's gonna make more money, a sought-after announcer or a head coach in the NFL? The salaries have risen, but they haven't risen to the level that they're paying announcers now. So he might like the cash. He might want to put the that's new true
4: too. I suggest that's true too.
3: Let's do this for a couple more years, honey, and put away the uh, the rest of our lives so you don't have to work. So coaching is just like a hobby to you. Uh, they, they don't know that it'll only be a year or two. He might be out for a while. But he's going no FS because the Rams are absolutely a Super Bowl contender. I'm just saying to the two Ram fans we have watching right now. At some point, <laughs> yeah, the Bill's going to come due. And it, it's going to well, go backwards. And it's going to go backwards quickly and, and in a hurry. And, and by then, and- the Eagles will, will be competing for Super Bowl. Maybe. Hopefully, yeah, well, John was down there yesterday. Everyone's talking up uh, Jalen Hurts on how the ball is crisper coming out of his head. a little bit more zip to it. Dallas Goddard got a chance to talk to you guys in the media thereafter. John, I don't want the season to arrive because, according to everybody who's seen him, Seven Jalen Hurts sevens, is, the is coming. Are they Seven actually going to have to play games, and is he going to have to prove it on a Sunday?
4: Yeah, I'm more in the Aaron Rodgers category. I, I'm 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 more in the yeah, this is all time filler stuff category. Um look, he had some nice deep throws. He had back to back uh deep hits to uh John Hightower and and Quez Watkins. Um AJ Brown and Devontae Smith weren't there uh, yesterday. So um a lot of reps for the lesser receivers. Jalen Rager wasn't there as well. Um Look, my I you know, people are gonna get mad at me, but I'm more concerned like Quez blew by James Bradbury, like he wasn't there. Now Quez can run, um, but that concerned me. Um, you know, overall the the we talk about how good the Eagles are at receiver now, and I think they are. I mean, I've said I'm on record AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. And and let me get this straight, so people don't yell at me. This is a, they're the most talented du- duo in in Eagles history, in my opinion. Not the best, obviously. They haven't played a game together. I have to prove it. They're the most talented tandem of receivers the Eagles have ever had. But the depth isn't there. The depth isn't there. So that's a concern because I talk about depth and at and tight end as well. You know, you got to cross your fingers that Dallas Goddard is healthy and stays healthy the entire season because the Eagles have nothing at backup tight end. Uh, they have some depth on the offensive line, we know, defensive line as well. Um, tremendous depth, I would argue. But there are some concerns with the depth of this team that are, to me, shining through in the spring a little bit more. And I wouldn't because a lot of times on particular days, and as I said, guys are in and out, you know. Fletcher Cox said, who finally talked to us yesterday, you know, he likes to pop his head in. You know, they pop in, they pop out. They're there certain days. And and I'm talking about the veteran players. But when they're not there and I'm not necessarily talking about the defensive offensive line because they're not doing much. It's just individual techniques, fundamentals. Um, but when the receivers aren't there, um, when when you know, you could imagine when if Slay Slay doesn't take time off, but he did. If Bradbury, if he did, you, you start to see, you know, the Zach McBeersons of the world, the Mac McCains out there. I mean, those are the Eagles' backup cornerbacks right now. Zach McPherson, they're backup outside corners. So far, have been Zach McPherson and Mac McCain. I don't know. I'm starting to get a little worried about the depth, to be honest. People are going to get mad at me. But what else do we got to do in the offseason? Let's talk about depth.
5: Well, that that's the issue, I think, with a lot of teams, too. I've, I've noticed around the league, like in Buffalo, they're, they're worried about depth at certain positions, which is kind of funny and ironic, but they're like, well, how are we going to get to the quarterback? And you know, this is the Buffalo bills here. You know, what happens if Von Miller gets hurt? What are we going to do? What happens if, you know, um, Deion Dawkins on the offensive line gets hurt? Who's our backup tackle? I feel like this is just a recurring thing around the league. It's not just Philadelphia. And you know, that might be the weaknesses of these good teams. It's if player a gets hurt, does player B step up? And I think the Eagles survive if say, and A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith get hurt, it's not ideal because they have Quest Watkins, but you're right. Because they failed to draft wide receivers, and we really don't know the status of Jalen Rager, what's you know what's what's going to happen? Do they, do they go get a veteran, yeah, specifically a tight end? Dallas Goddard, okay, who's your number two? Jack Stoll? Tyree Jackson yeah, ain't coming. Right now. Yeah, so that's concerning to me. I, I think Hallie Roseman should be a little bit active there on on the market in you know during that six week break maybe bring in a veteran it's not like you got to play him but just to have a guy in there is more of an
3: insurance policy but john here's what i don't understand you betsy buzzkill <laughs> other than Tyree jackson how many guys on the eagles right now are actually injured
4: not 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 many but, uh you know brett town is still rehabbing Isaac Sayamalo, uh, interestingly, uh, told us he's not 100%. He's not, you know, he's been working um, in OTAs, but it's going to be hit and miss if he's fully cleared uh, by training camp. Um, So he's still in the rehab process, but he's obviously further along. Brandon Graham looks fine, he looks 100%. Brandon looked like he could have played in the playoff game, to be honest. Uh, and he probably would have if they, you know, could finagle the rules and let him. But um so no, it's not injury concerns right now. I you know, I you just envision and you're right, it is Betsy Buzzkill. But, I mean but
3: see, here's the point I was trying to get at injury what injury concerns. They're going to be one hundred percent healthy when the season starts. That's why they only had six practices. Well, they are going to be. They've got the bomb. They've got the salve to take care of all injuries. Don't practice. Nobody gets hurt when you don't practice, John.
4: Well, they are going to be healthy for week one, relatively healthy for week one because of the way they go about their their off-season business. But, you know, week one is week one. Week one is not week eight. Week one is not week 14. You know, and on and on and on. And then you have that back and forth, like, should you get prepared? You know, offensive and defensive linemen will say, hey, it's 60 car crashes every game day. You've always heard that cliche. Well, I don't know. You know, talk to stuntmen. You know, Jody and I are big pro wrestling guys. You know, they got to get their bodies uh, used to taking the punishment they take. Um that's what the I did,
5: practices I, are for. That's why they're, they're going to be undefeated in the joint practices again.
4: Well, the joint practices are really important for the Eagles, and they will be in, important. Um, and hope hopefully they can defend their joint practice title. Um, but yeah, that's that's where they're going to get their work in training camp, and hopefully they'll be prepared. Uh, but I think that's a league wide. You know, Jeff was talking about depth before, and he's right. It's a league-wide problem. It's not just the Eagles. Not not a lot of teams have a lot of depth. Um, Same thing, um, it's a league-wide problem as far as preparation. And that's why, you know, the first two games of the season, you've heard some coach. that's the new preseason, right? Guys are still getting ready to play. And it tends to be a little bit sloppy. And then you start getting uh, better and better as the season goes on. So I think that's kind of baked into it as well. Teams expect to be sloppy in 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 week one because they don't have the preparation time. But the Eagles, to be fair to Jody's point, the Eagles have taken it to a degree nobody else has taken it to. Um, the closest would be Cincinnati, but Cincinnati didn't. You know, Remember, the Eagles, they had uh, 13 uh, availabilities under the CBA. They used six of them. Six, up 13. I mean, th- that's going to be second get. Maybe it turns into nothing. But if they have a poor season, um, and I don't think they are, I don't want to be too Betsy Buzzkill because their schedule's so so um, easy on paper. I don't think they're going to have a bad season. But if they do, that's going to be revisited. I mean, six of 13? What? You're leaving a lot of – and more than – the veterans don't need this, but the young players do, and and developmental. I talk about it all the time. Developing players is real. You have to develop players, and can you do it in the classroom? The Eagles are intent on proving you can. We'll see.
5: Can you imagine Dick Vermeil if you gave him? Ah, Dick
4: was there I- yesterday. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, what is this? He's
5: probably like, wait, wait, this is practice six. You got seven more. I can finagle it so you can get eight more, but I I digress.
3: And they could have actually had seven practices, except Aaron Moorhead caught a punch yesterday. So that got them to cancel yesterday. Well, he
4: dropped it, too. They were going to go until somebody caught one. Aaron dropped it. Nick Rollis dropped it. Then Aaron went back in and caught it. So they were going to keep going. They could have dropped it. It to me like
5: they just didn't want to practice today.
4: Exactly. They yeah. were yeah, going yeah. to keep going until some. There, there
3: was a real chance they were going to practice today and add another one after everyone had been reporting forever. It was going to be six and done. Nowhere near right. thirteen. Oh, they they were able to uh, remove themselves from an extra practice. Stop it, please. Don't uh, don't, don't even write that BS stuff.
5: John, are do you, do you having like a kumbaya with Nick Seriani today? Like, what's going on over there?
4: Uh, we we are having a a, a discussion uh, off the record discussion, so yeah, people will be able to hear about it uh, down the road, uh, more towards training camp. It's it's embargo, but it, it's important from a big picture standpoint because you get to um, get to get the feelings of of the head coach without the microphones, without the cameras. So there there are a lot. I don't want to say they're not honest, but they're a lot more forthcoming. And I shouldn't be talking about it. So I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's why Johnny Mack is getting out of here for hour number two. Hour yeah. yeah. number one. Yeah.
3: Jeff Kerr uh, will be in his stead for hour number two. All three of us guys will come back. we still got some more to talk about with the Eagles yesterday. They made about five players or uh, four in the coach available. Want to see if uh, John McMullen thinks anything else a major consequence came out of the media session yesterday. You got Jeff Kerr in for John McMullen. Oh, there's John McMullen. You got Mac and Mac and Kerr here on Birds 365.
1: Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
7: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you.
3: Seven, zero, three. One, two,
8: three. Because
7: Philadelphia Dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
8: At stateside vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
6: It's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. All
1: right, did you know it was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to writer, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go oh, mama! She did it.
0: You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare.
6: Uh-huh.
1: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theOceanac.com.
3: You're streaming on in here on Birds 365. Jody McDonald, Jeff Kerr, gonna sit in the co host chair for hour number two because Johnny Mack, who's with us now, has to uh, get over to the, the Nova Care complex. Got some more availability today, but I want to ask you about yesterday's availability, John. Um, handful of players and Nick Siriani, one of which was Fletcher Cox, who you're not heard from yet during this offseason. Uh, Fletcher, of course, had the release of his contract earlier this year. Almost immediate re signing. Eagles have taken a dead cap hit now, but now get to go on a year to year basis with Fletcher going forward. Did he talk at all about, uh, there, there was a period of time where he was a free agent and could have gone somewhere else? Uh, give you a take on uh, how close that was, or was this something that was just a matter <laughs> of uh, working out paperwork?
4: Yeah, it was more of the working out paperwork part of it. Now, it was interesting because, um, you know, when the, the Eagles were pacing this deadline where they had to pay uh, Fletcher a large bonus and didn't want to do it, and they wanted to reset the contract, and I think all the work was done prior to that, and they were working up to the deadline. They couldn't come to the conclusion, and, and obviously he was, from a bookkeeping standpoint, released. Now, I think the Eagles had already worked out with Todd Prantz that he was coming back, um and that's when i was told when it was released you know he's going to be back and but it did take about 48 hours i think it took a little a little bit longer than most of us thought then you start to think well you know when you're free you're free it's not it's not the old adage in um show show business that show business it's not show friends once you're out there if somebody calls up and says hey we'll give you this and um you know, he could have left, but it was clear indication he didn't want to leave. He didn't expect to leave. Um, but the Eagles gave him $14 million yeah. as a 31-year-old player who, in theory, is most people say is declining. Um, that's a lot of money. Um, I don't know because of his name. Maybe he could have gotten it somewhere else. But Todd France probably already did that homework as well previously. Um and everything worked out for Fletcher and the Eagles. Um, I do think he's happy. Um and I do think he sees, you know, sort of a second phase to his career in in that he's now more willing to defer when it comes to playing time, thinking, hey, maybe a few less reps every week it helps me extend my career, and the Eagles all of a sudden have Javon Hargrave and Jordan Davis and, and Milton Williams, they're I, we were talking about depth in the first segment. That's not a concern at, at defensive tackle. Now 2023, then the Eagles are gonna have to make a decision because Fletcher's now on the year to year plan. Um, sort of like Jason Kelsey and um, you know, for comparison' sake. And Javon Hargraves in a contract year. Can you pay them both next year? Probably not. Or you can. We were just talking about the Rams. But the Rams probably yeah. The Rams
3: pay everybody. Yeah. So the Eagles could if they, they could. want to, but yeah. they want that but big they probably to come due.
4: Yeah, they probably don't want to. You want to allocate your resources better at a particular position. So to me, it comes down to who do you want? And in a lot of ways, it's, you know, who plays better this year, Fletcher or or Javon Hargrave? Who's a better fit with Jordan Davis, Fletcher or Javon Hargrave? It might come down to that.
5: I would pay Javon Hargrave. That would be me. I would just pay him. I I think his career is on the upswing. I think he benefits from Jonathan Gann's defense. And, again, who knows if Jonathan Gann's going to be here in 2023 or not. He might get a head coaching job. But – I still think Javon Hargrave is a player who's on his way up. I think you could give him another three-year deal. You're going to get a player like that in the prime of his career. And I would say the Fletcher Cox, I, I know it's tough to negotiate with Todd France because, I mean, look at the clients he has. I mean, he, the guy's made over $40 million in his agent career for a reason. But I'm looking at it as, okay, yeah, we can keep both. Hey, Hargrave, and say to Cox, hey, look, here's a one-year deal we we feel you are worth this. We feel you have been valuable to our franchise. And maybe Fletch takes it if he just doesn't want to move or doesn't want to play for another team. Maybe he'll be like Brandon Graham and want to play his whole career with the Eagles. Who who knows what he's thinking? But I would definitely pay Javon Hargrave first after this season. Go to Fletcher Cox. See what's up. You know, he knows the situation. He knows Jordan Davis is going to start in the future. It's just – Will there be a pride thing? Will there be, hey, look, you know, maybe I can go play somewhere else and be a starter and get that money? Butcher Cox is going to have a lot of decisions to make after the 2022 season, and hopefully he stays with the Eagles, but I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of interested teams in his services.
4: And, you know, I should throw it. Milt Williams is a big part of this as well because, you know, do you I'm talking 2023. Do you want to get him on the field more? You know, is, how is he improving? Where is he in his career? Because if you want to get him on the field more, well, then, you know, there's only, like Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen say, there's only one football on offense. There's a limited number of reps. You know Jordan Davis is going to be there. Um, So how much do you want to play Milton Williams? Where is he in his career? That will factor in as well. Right. And um, then, um, getting back to the same old, same old. Uh, How do you judge
3: if Milton Williams is going to be better going forward than a declining Fletcher Cox, a holding his ground, uh, Hargrave? Well, you can judge that in practice and how he's competing against his teammates. Oh, that's right. They don't use 11 and 11 to practice.
4: Developmental developmental periods, developmental. developmental
3: and or evaluate your own talent yeah. for how much you're going to use them going forward. Yeah. I hope they've got a really good uh, football crystal ball, the Eagles coaching staff, because they're going to be making a couple of uh, decisions over the next couple of years here without as much empirical evidence as other teams have. Right, uh, I do want to ask you another question about a player who was uh, made available yesterday. And that's Isaac Samalo. John, you already tipped your hand that, uh, Uh, Isaac isn't quite 100%, but in the very little use of that for the offensive linemen in seven and seven, he was lining up as the starting right guard. You commented earlier that last week it was veteran dictated. The guys who have been there, done that, were the ones who were put into the starting lineup or However, you determine that in the different type of practices the Eagles were running. Um, but Isaac was the guy at right tackle above uh, others who have proven that they may be able to step in there and take the job. Uh, Isaac spoke to you guys yesterday. Other than he's still rehabbing and not quite 100% yet. He all good with moving to the right-hand side uh, fully this year?
4: Yeah, that's not that's not a problem for Isaac. And he brought up, you know... That preseason game when he was a rookie, where he played every single position in one game, um, and and you know I think people forgot he played right tackle against Baltimore late in his rookie season. He
5: very well that he, too.
4: Yeah, he was the extra uh, tight end when they would go to thirteen personnel at times. He he might be their most most versatile offensive lineman. Um, not that you prefer to move sides, but. He understands it, and he understands, you know, that's part of it. Talk with Jordan Mailata a lot. Yeah, Jordan, in in theory, um, you want to keep him at left tackle no matter what happens because he's so talented. But when you are as versatile as he is and he doesn't care, he's like, yeah, I'll go play right tackle. They're like, okay, go play right tackle, and we'll put in the guy who isn't comfortable playing right tackle, Andre Dillard when, when Lane Johnson went away, that's, that's what happened last year. So when you are versatile, you know, they tend to take advantage of that. And I think that's part of the, they don't even, normally you think about these things, right? You say, well, what do we do if we keep lane Landon Dickerson and left guard, how does that affect us? Uh, How does that affect Isaac? um, Who was a pretty good left guard himself. The Eagles are like, eh, he can play right guard. Uh, they're not. They're not even concerned about it, and and they shouldn't be concerned about it. Um, he's embraced it. He understands it. I think the bigger issue we got from Isaac yesterday is, you know, that was a really serious injury, and he had two surgeries, um, which is is normal. We asked him, is that the normal way they do this thing? with the Lisprank fracture. They put metal in, they have to take it out, um, which are the two surgeries. The second one came in February. So it wasn't that long ago, uh, you know, because he was injured, I think week three when he had, and that was the first surgery, obviously. Um, so he, he admitted he would not be cleared right now uh, by the doctors. And we asked him, are you going to be a full go for training camp? And he said, in his mind, he is. But we again pressed him, what about in the doctor's mind? And he admitted that's more touch and go. So that's going to be one of the big stories when the Eagles report and when they're on the field for the first practice. Is Isaac Samalo a full go or is he still uh, coming back from what I said is a very, very serious injury?
5: And what's scary about all this is for Ezekiel Sayamalo, there's a guy behind him that can take that job in Jack Driscoll. And I think you and I have both said it before, John, he's a better guard than tackle. He's, he's yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, from what I'm hearing, from what I've seen, just watching film, it's I, – I think Jack Driscoll could be a starting right guard in this league or a starting guard somewhere. Uh, but
4: Uh Yeah, and the Eagles think that as well, Jeff. I mean, I – you know, I think the plan is Jack's going to be the starter in 2023. Um, so, you know, there's some thought, well, why not start now? Um, and you know, the health obviously of Lane Johnson's going to be a big part of this as well, because Jack can play right tackle. Um, that I want to move Jordan, my off left tackle if they have to replace Lane Johnson, I, I, if they have an option that's capable, maybe they don't. Um, So a lot of things change uh, with the depth of of having Jack Triscoll, Andre Dillard, and Isaac Sayamalo, because all three can play – all two of the three can play multiple positions, and then you can start sliding things around the best way you want to. And then there's – we're talking about depth. We didn't even get to safety. We keep talking about safety, safety, safety. Well, They might need to add somebody there. And, you know, where do you have depth on your roster that you could potentially trade? Probably more than anything else, the offensive line. Agreed. Uh,
3: If they're going to make a deal for a safety, it'll probably come in a deal with an offensive lineman. My guess would be Dillard more than Isaac Samalo, but that's just a guess on my part. All right. Another guy who spoke yesterday, John, which I wanted to get your take on, was Dallas Goddard. Uh, and he was one of a couple over these last two weeks of made Jalen Hurts sound like Patrick Mahomes. Just, just saying, maybe a little overstatement, <laughs> seven on seven on how good a quarterback can look. Um, but I do have specific Goddard questions. He's a big part of the offense this year. Um, He stepped up after they traded uh, Zach Ertz, and we knew the trade was coming, and it took several weeks before Howie got what he saw as an acceptable return of value. Uh, And then all of a sudden, he was the uh, TE1 with the drop-off being significant to TE2. They haven't upgraded TE2. It's the same uh, group that was here last year other than Calcaterra in the draft, uh, who is a receiving tight end, not necessarily a blocking tight end. With the Eagles' overall attitude of we need to protect ourselves against injury, will Goddard be out there for 85 90%, 100% of the play? How much is he going to play, or do they go down the road of we really need this guy? We can't afford to get this guy hurt. When we've got a blocking play we need to specifically, everybody knows that we're running the football, we just need to block it up. Do they try and get Goddard off the field? how far are they going to go to protect the valued asset that Dallas Goddard is?
4: Well, I, I think he's going to play a ton when they get the regular season. Uh, before then, I don't think he's going to play at all. He's in the, um, you're not going to see him in the preseason at all. Um, he's going to be in the bubble wrap. He'll be in the, he'll be getting his work in the joint practices like most of the starters. Um but yeah once you go you got to go i mean he's going to be on the field a ton you know you mentioned that the tight end position has really changed over the years to where you have these receiving tight ends and and there's very few uh, old school tight ends that can do both dallas is one of them george is probably the best um it, it, you know when you talk about the backup that to me is more interesting though, but know, for this reason, um, as you mentioned with Calcaterra, Jody, and even Tyree Jackson, if he gets healthy, they're, they're like strictly receiving tight ends. I mean, they'll get in front of somebody and, but they're not moving anybody off the line of scrimmage. They're not blocking anybody. They're not doing anything, uh, that's going to affect the defensive end other than getting in their way. Um, so you almost feel the need if they're gonna be on the field to have Dallas Goddard in line. And I've I've always said he's such a good receiver. I don't want to waste him in line all right. that time. And then you start talking about, well, do you put Jack Stoll in there and 12 personnel just to block and let Dallas uh, be um the the seam receiver, the slot, the blacks, whatever you want to call it. Um I would I would lean more towards that, to be honest. Um, I I want Dallas Goddard as a receiver. Now, the Eagles might look at it as we have A.J. Brown now. We have Devontae Smith. We only have one football. And, you know, maybe they'll say, hey, you know, let's get Dallas uh blocking because he's our best blocking tight end. It It's an interesting decision for the coaching staff. But I, I, I think he's so good. I, I said right now I'm going best pure football player in the Philadelphia Eagles, not most valuable because obviously the quarterback is more valuable edge rushers. Best pure football player at his particular position on the Philadelphia Eagles is Dallas Goddard. That's my I really opinion. do
5: think at the end of the season, at the end of this year, when we're talking best tight ends of football, we're going to be mentioning Travis Kelsey, George Kill, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard. I really do believe that. I think he took – that big of a step last year and I think he could take an even bigger step this year with Devonta Smith with AJ Brown and he even said that on Saturday at Smith's softball game when he had his media session and basically said look I'm gonna have opportunities and I gotta take advantage of them." and no one mentioned about his drops or anything like that it's you know he's just said he's gonna put in the work and I, I don't think the Eagles are worried about a backup tight end and maybe I'm Maybe you and I are a little more concerned, John, but I also have to remember that their shift in philosophy is now they want to run 11 personnel all the time if they can. It's 12 personnel. That seems to be a thing of the past now uh, for them. That that was the Doug
4: thing. Hey, time. I'll tell you what, though, Jeff, uh, because A.J. Brown to Bonte Smith weren't there, as I said yesterday. Now, in and out, popping in, popping out. Um, they started seven on sevens in 12 personnel. There we with- go. Dallas got it, and Jack stole. So things can change very, very quickly in the NFL. We saw it last year. They wanted to run eleven personnel last year. They couldn't. They weren't successful. They shifted gears, and I give Nick Sirianni a lot of credit for that, by the way, because I don't. You know, I think a lot of coaches in this league pound the square peg in the round hole. And I want to do this. I want to do this. And if you don't have the talent to do it, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Never. I always thought
5: it was coincidental, too, last year. Nothing against Zach Ertz or anything like that, but it seemed like when they had the mini buy after the Thursday night game, they traded Ertz, and they were starting to run the ball a lot more in that Raiders game. They just fell behind early, and they yeah garbage.
4: But, and then Miles got hurt, yeah.
5: Yeah, exactly, and then everything kind of changed. All
4: right,
3: let me run this by both of you guys. Um, Nick Triani spoke yesterday. Uh, you may get more background on – Uh, the coach uh, coming up here shortly in the future, John. Um, He didn't give the day, I should say say the game, the date, the game, same thing, that Shane Steichen became the unquestioned play caller. He did say it it had to start at some place because we know that Nick was calling the plays at the beginning of the season. And then both he and Steichen said, at some point last year, Steichen became the main play caller. And that's the way they've set it up. To go forward this year, he didn't give what game that was. What game do you think it was, J Mac?
4: I think it was uh, the Detroit game, um, which obviously was very successful. You know, one of the things with um, uh, Nick is kind of ballsy for doing this is um, there are going to be a lot of people who point to. Um, the least common denominator and say when Nick was calling the plays, the Eagles sucked. And when Shane was calling the plays, the Eagles were really good. Um, and look, I mean, that's, that's tough to swim against that's tough to be the salmon swimming upstream against that stuff. The context is obviously the game plan is there. Nick puts it together. Uh, that's his favorite part of the job all these things are pre-planned, you know, the openers, the third down menu, uh, the two minute uh, uh, offense, the hurry up offense. That's what the big play call sheet is about. Um, And then you're obviously going through the menu of plays. So um, it's, 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 it's ballsy for a young coach to do that, especially when, when he was doing it. And remember the 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 two advertised things about Nick Sirianni, who wasn't known to a lot of people, and came in last minute and won the job essentially, out of the jaws of, you know Josh McDaniels, which the Eagles should be thankful for. Um, he 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 won over uh, Jeffrey Lurie with his personality and his offensive. Uh, uh, resume and his ability to be the play caller. He was bought, brought in to be the play caller. The Eagles thought he was an innovative guy, and all of a sudden, we're talking week, whatever that was, week seven, week eight, he's giving up play calling. That's, that's that, you don't see young coaches do that, especially in markets like Philadelphia, where there will be people saying they were bad when Nick was calling the plays, and they were good when Shane was calling the plays. And, you know, a lot of this also, guys, has to do with Nick wants to help his friend, you know. Um, and he even mentioned, you know, Shane does a good job. He's probably going to be a head coach in this league. Um, and he wants to get Shane Stuck in a head coaching job. And guess what? It's harder to get a head coaching job as a coordinator if you don't call the plays. True. Um, There's a
5: quarterback tomorrow. I'm going to be picking his brain a bit here. Uh, I'm talking Justin Herbert tomorrow, and every time I talk to him, somehow Shane Steichen gets involved. And Herbert loves Shane Steichen. He said Steichen's the reason why I I am what I am right now. All the stuff he taught me. He said he was a great teacher. He never he didn't call him an innovator, but he said I wouldn't be shocked if you know he was called plays or, you know, for the Eagles at one point, because I think he was doing that in Los Angeles. I'm going to clarify with him. Tomorrow. Yeah,
4: he was, he was.
5: Yeah. So, but overall, I'm curious to hear what an all pro quarterback essentially thinks of, hey, what's he going to do for a guy like Jalen Hurts?
4: Yeah. And, you know, Shane uh, Dick also mentioned, you know, if Shane gets a head coaching job, then he'll revisit it. And maybe he'll have to start calling plays again. But he, he made it very clear that he had uh, tremendous respect and confidence in, 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 in Shane Steichen. And I do think a lot of it is to elevate the status of a guy he respects and a guy he wants to help. And um, they both do the job. So I, I don't think the actual mechanics – I think the problem was the convoluted aspect of the original plan. I think that's what they should be criticized for. You know, to have that extra Nick Sirianni, I'm going to tell the play to Shane Steichen and Shane's going to give it to Jalen Hurts. That to me is dumb. I'll right. flat I out say it. it. It's an unnecessary step. You got 40 seconds. Oh, it, it, people don't realize how, but you're watching on TV. You said, why isn't he doing this? That stuff happens quickly. You got 87 people in your ear. You got to talk to, Different people about different parts of the game. It just didn't make sense, and that part I think they deserve criticism for. This part I don't think it's that big of a deal. I, and if you know, he
3: gets his buddy a leg up, more power to him. Yeah. I'd be more worried about just winning football games than helping my pal get himself into a. Well, static, yeah, I, I'm not a saying that but that's I, just
4: me. I'm not saying that's the reason. I that's part of the reason. I'm not saying if he didn't think he could do it. He's not going to try to get his friend a job. Uh, He thinks he can do it, but I think that's that's a sort of fringe benefit of of doing it as well.
3: If you're telling me it's a residual effect, okay, then I'm good with it. But if it is one of the driving forces, no, no, no. Nick, you you need to just worry about one thing, making good calls for the Philadelphia Eagles, not how your your buddy and how your pal looks. Uh, All right, last thing, uh, J-Mac. Anybody give any hints as to what they're going to do with their six weeks of downtime? We started this talking about the NFL is a a 365-a-day job, that there's no insurance salesman or any offseason in the NFL anymore. Anybody got anything specific planned that is football-related that might not be directly tied to the Philadelphia Eagles?
4: Uh, Dallas, uh, I mentioned earlier, confirmed he's going to go to tight end. University uh, again, which is uh, in Nashville. They started it last year. I think it was uh, Kittle, Kelsey, and Greg Olson started it. Um, and he's going to be a big part of that for the second consecutive season. Uh, Davion, we didn't talk to that about him, but uh, Isaac is is mentioned. He's not taking any time off because he's got a rehab. He's trying to get full clearance for. Uh, week one, um, uh, who it, isaac said he's going to be working out with Lane, I believe, here in his bro barn in South Jersey when Lane gets back here. Um, and you know, Jalen, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to work, you know, that. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and everybody's, Probably you're going to say,
5: with them,
4: yeah, funny. yeah, uh, but. As far that that was about it. As far as the off season, and guys need a vacation. I mean, they should take a week or two, but don't take six or seven. All right, downtime is downtime.
3: But uh, before you know it, training camp will be here in less than six weeks. Johnny Mac, uh, I will talk to you mañana. Right back here. Thanks for uh, all right, and on thank you guys for
4: being uh, uh, helping and 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 being so kind. I appreciate it.
3: Well, shoot, if uh, uh, the Eagles head coach is going to go to that kind of level to get Nick Sirianni popped up, you don't think we're going to do the same thing for you? Come on. I-, I think of my buds as much as Nick Sirianni
4: does. No, uh, yeah, T- Tom, will
5: it be the same as like when Carson Wentz would get a bunch of you guys in the room
3: and just pour his guts out?
4: Uh, it is like that, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, we shall see. It is like
3: that. Uh, Jim McMahon, will be back here, here with us tomorrow. He's heading down to the Novacare Complex today. Jeff Curry's going to stick around with me. we still got an hour to play on Birds 365. Keep it where you got it.
7: Of life, First Trust Bank is there for you because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
6: At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career
8: opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. All
1: right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam dunk champion? Really? (laughs) Yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. Go to right, go to love that fake mom. Mama, Mama go She did it.
0: Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings.
8: United Healthcare. Uh-huh. At stateside vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say
1: that.
3: Jeff Carter, going to hang in the co host chair for the next hour plus here on uh, Birds 365. Johnny Max got some more eagle reporting to do. So we thank Jeff for being able to fill in for him. Coming up in about 20 minutes for now, Gary Gramling uh, from Sports Illustrated, one of their NFL writers, is going to hop aboard. I had Gary on my uh, CBS Sports Radio show a couple of uh, weeks ago, maybe a month ago, did a real nice job for us. I said, Oh, I'm going
0: to get you on Birds 365.
3: 65. So he said, I'll uh, hop on with you guys today when I asked him, uh, Jam, I want to ask you an, uh, an NFL question. We've talked a lot of Eagles here in hour. Number one, uh, we're going to spread it out and do a little bit more national stuff. Did you see Peter King's, uh, column the other day, you know, he writes every single Sunday night into Monday. He, he like the rest of the NFL, is going to take the month off, uh, so we won't uh, be getting any King missives for the next month or so. But he wrote his last one before uh, the down season. Did you happen to catch it the other day?
5: No, unfortunately. Uh, this is the one Peter King column I did not read. I, I, okay. I thought he actually went on vacation already.
3: Not yet. No, no. He had his last one this week, and now he's going to have guest column fill in for him. For the next month or so uh interesting piece that he did a part of it and peter's column is very in depth and he touches on a lot of different things each each column that he does uh but one of the sections that he had was he tries to do this every single year most influential people in the national football league i'm guessing you can come up with number one pretty easily
5: uh you know what this is probably tougher than what i would think i mean it, it, how how did he define in influential just overall what he does for the game or
3: uh influential i, I think just keep it as simple has the most influence on the national football league what he does decisions he makes uh what his job entails he has the most influence on the national football i
5: league. mean to to me it's roger goodell
3: it has to be roger goodell very good that's uh, where number one was um number two was intriguing for me because we all want to think that everything with the National Football League is uh, roses and rainbows, but that's not the case. I'm trying to give you a hint here for number two. Who do you think is the second most influential guy in the NFL? I mean, I would go with Troy Vincent, but I don't think that's who you're looking for. Ooh, Vincent was on the list. I don't have the list in front of me right now, but he was on there somewhere in the uh, maybe – 10 11 12 area uh, no liar. number two would be a player a player Ooh. again not all not all roses and rainbows oh to sean the sean watson was number two which means it can cut one of two ways it can either go very well or, or very badly number three also a uh quarterback like the sean watson but that be tom brady that would be Tom Brady. Very good. They had him at number three, number four. Also a quarterback like Tom Brady. In Aaron Rodgers is be right? No, Rodgers was down the list a little bit. Was it Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is number four. Very good. You're pretty good at this, Kerr. Uh, number five, not a quarterback, not a commissioner, but a very significant individual who became very significant. Actually isn't significant yet, but we all believe in about six weeks when they uh clear the uh paperwork that this person is going to become a very influential person in the nfl oh man this one's a little tougher
5: so not a quarterback not not an owner
3: not a player i didn't say not an owner oh no no now uh uh, obviously uh walton six weeks down the road when it's six months two months whatever it takes for uh, the approval to come through. Yes, the new owner of the Denver Broncos, uh, Rob Walton, heir to the the Walmart uh, fortune, $4.65 billion. And the Broncos, if you had to rank the level of importance, value, however you want to define it, of teams in the National Football League, where would you put the Broncos on your list, Jeff, for the one of 32?
5: I don't even know if they're in the top 10. If you went on Forbes' most valuable list, I'm not sure if they are.
3: And they're already at $4.65 So if you are somewhere above them, let's just put them at number 10 for the sake of argument. And we'd probably look it up and give you an exact number. But even those things are ever-changing. They come out with it once a year, and three months later, there are certain things that could happen that could change the order of the list. But let's put them at number 10. You're in pretty good stead if you're somewhere on the one through nine list if number 10 sold for $4.65 huh? Coming. So how much would they get? Man, uh, that's pretty significant. The value of NFL franchises just continues to go up and up and up and up and up, damn uh, skyrocketing. Um, uh, so they had the new owner of the Broncos at number five. Number six, we're going to do this a little differently. I'm going to give you her name. See if you uh, recognize it. Marie Donahue. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I don't know what her title
5: is now. What, what's her title now?
3: VP of Sports Programming at Amazon.
5: I, I, I was going to say, yeah, she was involved with, I'm trying to remember the network she was with, but I didn't realize she went to Amazon.
3: Yeah, she was uh, ESPN and she jumped to Amazon and Amazon of course has the Thursday night um, game this year going forward.
5: A huge role in football consumption this
3: year. It's, I was on the fence on where to get
5: prime video or not. Now it's a little different because I can get reimbursed for it. But if, I got to do Thursday night football like I've done the last five years. I need prime video. I need it. So I just can't go on a local feed. So the NFL is changing. I mean, they're taking a huge gamble with the streaming thing. And they're hoping streaming becomes more prevalent over the next
3: decade. Here's uh, the good news for me. Sorry. uh, Well, it could be a a good thing for you. Uh, I was already getting prime video for a very direct reason. My wife has to have the deliveries. If you are a Prime member, then you get free deliveries, which means you got to make an upfront payment for the entire year. My wife orders enough stuff online, and she said, believe me what I tell you, hubby darling, this is well worth it. I'm saving you money by doing this. Well, with that comes Prime Video. So if you're a Prime member, you get the no-charge delivery, but you also get uh, the streaming service. Which I I used to have it
5: years ago before the boys and all that stuff came popular i think it was back when the tick was on amazon prime and they redid the tick and i had it and i wasn't that crazy about that show in general but i got a little upset during the holidays when everybody was getting the same benefits i was getting i'm like well, why am i paying 15 dollars a month for this so i i kind of dropped it and the netflix prices were going up now i think i netflix for amazon so unless they get the formula one rights then that
3: that Ooh, you're a big Formula One guy, huh? I'm a big yeah. racing
5: guy in general.
3: So. Okay, uh, I am, but mine need to be four-legged, and you have to be able to bet on them. If if we're talking wheels here and you can't wager, I'll take a pass. All right, uh, she was number six, which is very telltale. as You pointed out how much streaming is going to be pu- part of the future of the NFL. Josh Allen, number seven. Okay. Sean McVay, number eight. Aaron Rodgers, number nine. Least I told you he was in the top ten, but he's down at number nine. Uh, I could probably give you, if you're being honest that you didn't read the column, Um, I I could probably give you 100, 200 guesses, and you might not come up with the person that's at number 10. It's avant-garde. I understand the logic behind it, but I'm telling you, I don't necessarily agree. At number 10 on Peter King's list, most influential people in the NFL, Matthew Berry. The, the, the fantasy ESPN though? fantasy guru is the 10th most. You, you, you mentioned Troy Vincent, who I told you was somewhere in the teens. Uh, they got a guy named Bill Belichick at number 16. According to Peter King, Matthew Berry is more influential in the NFL in 2022 than Bill Belichick is.
5: Now, I will say this, defending Matthew Barry, I am in a fantasy football league where I got guys who judge football players based on how they do in fantasy versus how they do in reality. And it's a totally different stratosphere.
3: I get that. And I've been playing fantasy football for 25, 30 years, maybe not 30, but at least 25 um, longer baseball. I started with Fantasy baseball, okay, aka rotisserie baseball. Um, before I jumped into football, but I've been playing football for a very long time, time too. Uh, so you're talking to a guy who knows it, gets it, understands it, appreciates it, has participated in it, has won some nice money in it, also been royally ticked off by it. So believe me, my emotions shoot the gamut for uh, fantasy football. One yeah. guy, I I know that there are millions, not 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 thousands millions of fantasy football players and they do they follow the game therefore they take in the content therefore they do move the needle one guy because he's espn does that make him because espn deems him as the most knowledgeable fantasy football guy does he really have that big an impact on the game maybe or guys who tune in at 11 30 and he tells you who to
5: play or not uh I'm arrogant. I go by my knowledge.
6: And- yeah,
3: same here. Yeah. I'm
6: maybe not letting
3: Matthew Berry tell me who I'm playing on a Sunday. I mean, now in in, in respect, I don't know that as much about horse
5: racing season as you do, Jody. You tell me the pick Nut Flap at, at fifteen to one. I'm gonna go do it. I'm gonna go spend my ten bucks and see if I can win. So maybe that he's for these. People who don't know as much about fantasy football say you and I would or are arrogant and make those picks. So if he's saying play Quez Watkins today because Watkins does this and Watkins does that. Maybe someone does it.
3: Maybe they do. Uh, Thank you very much for uh, using the word. I was going to say it. You beat me to it. I've got my own arrogance. I do a YouTube show every day with the likes of John McMullen and and Jeff Kerr. I learn things. I retain things. I can make my own decisions on how I'm going to play my fantasy football players. I guess from an overall exposing to non-fantasy football players, if they're big-time ESPN watchers, Matthew Berry can uh, do that or any of their fantasy stuff can do that. I just thought it was way, way, way too. I was really surprised by uh, Peter's ranking. Let me tell you a couple more names uh, here on the top 20 list. Uh, number 12, Joe Burrow, young quarterback, superstar in the making, went to a Super Bowl. That makes a ton of sense. And he's got a lot of personality. Very popular guy. <laughs> he's a popular guy, so that's got him at number 12. Uh, Belichick, I told you, was 16. Sandwich between them, Dan Snyder. See, now I... You're telling me. Sorry, Peter King. I love Peter King, by the way. John can attest to us if he was here. I'm always quoting Peter King and referring to his column. Um, I would say we're acquaintances, not buddies, but we're acquaintances. Uh, so I like Peter a lot. He's woefully wrong about it. Dan Snyder is number 14. Matthew Berry is number 10. How the hell is that? Dan Snyder might be stripped of his ownership with a team in the nation's capital, but somehow Matthew Berry's more influential in the National Football League than Dan Carl Snyder. Madden is more influential toward football than Daniel Snyder at this point. I, I, come
5: on. It's, I, I, I don't know why Dan Snyder makes a list like that. He, he's not influential. He, he's a jerk. Of
3: course he is. He might be stripped of the team. He should be
5: stripped of the team. He should have been stripped of that. Actually, I you know what? I take that back. I hope Dan Snyder's owner of the Washington Commanders forever because they're going to stink forever.
3: That's true. Okay, if you're looking at from the other team perspective. But he's he's going to fight the fight. He's not just going to allow them to arm twist them and say, oh, okay, I'll sell the team. No, there's going to be ugliness involved. There's going to be court uh, fightings involved. There's going to be behind the scene reporting of guys trying to influence uh, Roger and the other owners to try and set a vote to get him uh, to be forced to sell the team. Oh, no, this is going to be a huge story, Jeff Kerr. It's just bubbling now, and it's only going to get bigger. And that will have a lot bigger influence than what wide receiver three you should play on your fantasy team on the National Football League this year. Unless you got people who are
5: just like, you know what, I don't care. And that might be it. And there might be just enough people that are sick of it. Now, everybody watching, I'm like, I'm certainly going to care because I can't stand the guy. But, you know, overall, it's there's a lot of stories that do well on CBS Dan Snyder, whatever he does, is one of them. And two, where is Washington going to build their football stadium?
3: And when are they, how quick can they get that's rid of? Kind of influential football. too. That's a big impact on the National Football League. That's why he's got to be hired number fourteen. You're right, Jeff
1: Kerr.
3: so, 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 so yeah, maybe I'm wrong about John, I still say John Adams more
5: influential in the game of football than Dan Snyder. But that's just me.
3: Well, different ways to uh, define the word influential. I'm also a huge John Matt fan, so you got
5: to give me
3: that one. And let me give you one more, uh, which kind of grabbed my attention. And the more I thought about it, I said, I see where he's going with this. At number 17, he's got Trey Lance, who is the potential starter for the 49ers this year. Jimmy G still there, still recuperating, still rehabbing. The coach basically threw him under the bus about three weeks ago and said, oh, I expect that Jim Garoppolo will be traded. Oh, well, why hasn't he been traded? So it's only get him healthy to be able to show that he can throw the football and then you're going to throw him away. I get it. They paid a lot to move up to take Trey Lance, but they didn't just hand the job to Trey Lance last year. Jimmy Garoppolo was their quarterback had the lead in the fourth quarter of the NFC championship game that the Rams rallied and won and then went ahead and run, won the Super Bowl. It's speculatory that Trey Lance can be this influential. But if he ends up sitting on the 49er bench again this year, how influential can the backup quarterback of the 49ers be in 2022 in the National Football League, Jeff Kerr? I'll
5: tell you what, you'll hear the same stuff you heard that this is the last time I think I remember a franchise doing this, handing the keys of the car to a quarterback who you really didn't know that much about was the 49ers when they gave it to Colin Kaepernick and Colin Kaepernick that they, they took their game to another level and went to the Super Bowl. So maybe that's what they're thinking with Trey Lance. It's yeah, And I've said this too. I think the 49ers are good already with Garoppolo. I think they can, I honestly think they could win a Super Bowl with him being a game manager. They were a Jaquiski Tart interception away from, facing Cincinnati yep, and probably beating them because th- they played really well against them the first time uh, you know, they played them. I think it was like week 14 week 15. I remember covering that game, but Trey Lance can take them to the top of the NFC. That might be, they, I think they're thinking, how can we beat the Rams? How can we beat the Packers? How can we beat the bucks? We're there already, but how can we get that level above them? Trey? Lance is either that guy that's going to do that where they're going to take a huge step back and they're going to regret training Jimmy Garoppolo. I know everybody likes to get on Jimmy Garoppolo, Mina Kimes especially, but he is not a bad quarterback. He really isn't.
3: Question. Um, you mentioned uh, since Colin Kaepernick, a quarterback note. Well, we have one in between. It was right here in Philadelphia. We didn't know that much about Carson Wentz. He played at the lower division, just like Trey Lance. And the Eagles handed him the keys of the car and, Man, is that car taking a whole bunch of turns between when they did that and where we are today. Um, it, like I said, uh, the head coach of the 49ers kind of, at least in my opinion, I use the phrase to under the bus, did so to Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of weeks ago. Um, if push comes to shove, are they going to make Jimmy Garoppolo sit on the bench? We know that the Browns this week told – uh, Baker Mayfield, listen, we know you're healthy. We know we're having mandatory practices, but you go ahead and stay home because we don't necessarily want it to be a distraction. What if there isn't a trade out there for Jimmy Garoppolo? How is opening of camp going to work for the 49ers, do you that think? That was
5: my burning question for the 49ers in the NFC West this year. I did this a couple of weeks ago. How quick can they get rid of this guy? Will he be on this team by training camp? They are so fortunate, Jimmy Garoppolo, is not a controversial guy. He helped out Trey Lance significantly last year, you know, just being a leader. And everybody on the team talked about that. Debo Samuel, Brandon IU George Kittle, you name them. They said they couldn't believe how welcoming Jimmy Garoppolo was to this guy. I, I think because Jimmy Garoppolo really knows that Trey Lance is going to be the future here. But it is going to be awkward if Trey Lance goes in there and struggles, and you got Jimmy Garoppolo sitting back there, and you know things weren't exactly terrible when – he was your quarterback. It's. I think they have to get rid of him before the start of training camp. I think they either have to release him and just cut their losses. It's Because I think Seattle and Carolina are waiting for Baker Mayfield, personally. I, I think they're waiting to see what Cleveland does with him. But it's going to be which one of those teams pivots quick and say, you know what, we'll take Jimmy G. We'll, uh, we'll take him, and they will be our starter this year. All
3: right. He is Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. This is Birds 365. Um, we're hoping to get Gary Gramling from uh, Sports Illustrated. Um, uh, we, can, uh, we haven't been able to reach out and make contact with him yet, um, but we are going to try and get him on up here at some point. If not, we'll continue to talk about both the National Football League and the Eagles. Keep it right here on Birds 365.
7: of life first trust Bank is there for you because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank
1: do you stream on a Roku fire stick Android TV or Apple TV now you can watch 6 ABC 24/7 with the 6 ABC Philadelphia streaming app the big story and that can you- search 6 ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today.
6: To learn more
8: about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free.
2: What's that? Uh,
8: a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
5: Holy glasses for cocktails, right?
8: It's for this, this, this. So good, it just disappears.
3: You got your Mac and Mac. Uh show it's first 365 but it's mac and curd today johnny mac needed to run down well uh to the eagles headquarters uh got get some more insight for the upcoming offseason, which the next five weeks is rest next five weeks is take it easy they expect the players to be on top of their their uh, conditioning but they will do nothing organized as a team until camp Opens up, uh, hopefully, less is more. That has been the Eagles' mantra during this offseason, and we'll see if it uh, pays dividends by the time everybody gets back together for camp at the end of July. Hopefully, everybody healthy because that's the reason we believe that most of the less is more is in place for the Eagles because it uh, gives them a chance to get healthy for the start of the upcoming season. So uh, we're waiting on Gary Gramling. We're still trying to uh, establish contact with him, uh, Sports Illustrated uh, national football writer. So I've got Jeff Kerb from CBS sports.com here at me today. And we're touching on a couple of national topics. We did so early in our number one too. Cooper cup, getting a payday from the, uh, uh, Los Angeles Rams to the victor, go the spoils, and there's nobody that deserves to be more spoiled than Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup with what they did in the, the lead-up to the Super Bowl and then the championship game itself. Uh, I tip my hat to the Rams, for number one, for winning a Super Bowl, and then number two, for doing the right thing and taking care of and rewarding the players that got them that championship. But uh, I'm not a cap guru. I understand it pretty well, Jeff Carr. But I never got my accountant's degree. But, man, I don't know how they can even field the team. I get the cap goes up every single year. But the money they're lavishing on these guys, when is it going to come back to haunt the Rams? Probably not this year. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to do it. But at some point, aren't they going to have issues with guys whose skills are declining but paychecks are increasing? I think the Rams operate. Don't worry about tomorrow's
5: problems today. And, you know, they know the cap's going up, so that's going to help them. But besides that, it's – I just think they have a bunch of stars they have to pay. McMullen was right earlier. You have to pay your superstars.
3: You do, but you also have to make choices. You can't just keep – when you have the kind of success the Rams had last year – you sometimes have to make some ch- tough choices. Uh, we'll see how they play out. All right, uh, joining us now. There he is. Uh, we had a little trouble uh, establishing contact with him. Glad we got him now. Gary <laughs> Grambling from uh, Sports Illustrated. We're going to ask you to jump in on what Jeff and I were talking about. Uh, kudos to the Rams in that they take good care of their players. They had two players have unbelievable seasons last year, an unbelievable playoff run in Harold and Donald and uh, Cooper Cobb. They were able to pay both top-of-the-market money. Uh, God bless both of those two guys. But how do you manage a cap like that without draft picks and now the ability to, uh, when time comes and you need to move on from these contracts, have young players who can step in and play? They better get every six-round draft pick between now and 2024
9: 20, right here, Gary.
3: How are the Rams going to pull us off?
9: That's kind of it, right? I mean, they're filling out the bottom of the roster with these day three picks and they're they're It's part hitting on the guys and it's part having the right coaching staff in place who can maximize these guys that you get in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Uh, it look, it, it, it makes sense. I, I think you saw a lot of GMs around the league for years. Uh, it's it's easy to sell a rebuild. It's easy to come into a place and say, hey, I need five years. Because then you don't have any consequences to anything you do for five years. I mean, it's, it's part of a self-preservation uh, strategy for a lot of GMs. Less Snead is throwing that out the window. He's obviously gone with a different tack here. The one thing about not picking in the first round ever is you don't uh, get four years down the line and have to say, oh, well, now we got to send this guy. Now we got to keep him getting to free agency. That gives you a little bit of wiggle room. But obviously they are uh, – uh, <laughs> they are doing some magic as far as the uh, the cap situation goes there uh, in LA, and they got Cooper Cup on. That's a that's a friendly that that's a team friendly deal at this point. Uh, I don't know if we would have said that a year ago with those numbers, but I think in light of uh, what went on with uh, especially with the with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, uh, th- that's a that's a pretty good deal for the Rams there. Yeah,
5: Gary, and yeah, you know, I forgot to mention this to Jody earlier. There's only two receivers in NFL history that. One AP offensive player of the year, one of the receiving triple crown, and one Super Bowl MVP. Jerry Rice and Cooper Cup. Twelve months ago, Cooper Cup didn't have any of that. So yeah, he's grossly underpaid for his production.
9: Uh it's uh, I'm one of those uh those tragic fantasy owners who was looking at Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and I was like, no, I think Robert Woods is gonna be the guy this year. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Robert Woods is a fine player. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, Cooper Cup won some people some leagues out there.
3: Oh, thank you very much for going there. Because this was something Jeff and I were just discussing before he came on. <laughs> Did you not listen to Matthew Berry from ESPN? Mr. Fantasy Football from ESPN, who Peter King in his column this week called the 10th most influential person. In the National Football League in 2022. Glad to hear you're a fantasy player. I'm a fantasy player. I think Matthew Berry's pretty good, but I don't think he's the hand of God when it comes to <laughs> fantasy football. How the hell did he become the 10th most influential person in the National yeah. Football League? As per
9: Peter King. Oh, he has the biggest platform as far as the fantasy guys go. Uh, you know, if, if you're gonna uh, uh, if if you're gonna pick a fantasy guy, you pick the ESPN guy uh boy it's it's been i i worked for peter for uh for four or five years there and uh a good old-fashioned peter king listicle is always uh <laughs> is always fun to to run down he's always got some offbeat ideas i think that, and that's why he does it he, you know now now we're here talking about his list now everyone's got to yeah. go check it out speaking of
5: your thing uh one thing i always liked that uh, what he did was i think it was years ago for sports illustrated he did the bus ride with John Madden, I, I think that mm-hmm. that came about again when John Madden passed away, and I actually remember that story, like reading it. I think it was like ten years ago, and what John Madden actually goes through, it, it's it just seems like Peter King just knows everybody in the league and knows how to connect with everybody
9: in the league. He does. I mean, look, and not to, uh, not to give his uh, biography here, but you know, he's, he's a guy who worked his butt off. He was a Bengals beat writer. He was a giants beat writer. Uh, you know, he worked up to that national level and he was also, I, I don't want to, I, I might be uh, forgetting something here, but he was kind of the first major national guy to really uh, embrace the internet. Uh, I mean, he was obviously the, you know, sort of, sort of the crown jewel of what we did at the SI.com for so many years there. And uh, it's funny if you go back 10 years Access stuff for outlets like us was it was a very big deal. There just wasn't a, really another way to, to get that. And you look around there now, everyone, you know, every team has their own social feed and, and they do their behind the scenes stuff. You know, Peter, Peter, uh, he did it one year with the Rams was the first time he did it. He went into their war room during the draft and that was such a big deal. And now you see everyone. Puts cameras in their war room now, and they put it out, and they make their own content, and that's just that's the way it goes. Not to mention, uh, obviously, every player has their own outlets to uh, get their stuff out. But uh, Peter was, you know, he was he was ahead of his time there, and now we're sort of at a point where you see all these uh, all these sort of internal outlets around the NFL, and not just NFL.com, but all these team sites, kind of uh, just kind of copying what he was doing a decade ago.
3: Gary. Who has the most difficult job in the National Football League this year? I just mentioned Peter King and uh, the most influential job. If I say to you, I think Kevin Stefanski has the toughest job in the National Football League because he's the head coach that has to deal with new, highly paid, highly questioned quarterback Deshaun Watson. How tough is it going to be for Stefanski this year? Add that to all the expectations on the Cleveland Browns.
9: Yeah, I mean, look, you uh, you got it, Jody, and I totally agree with that. Uh, Stefanski is the guy who is out there every day. You know, even Andrew Bear, the GM, is not going to be meeting with people that much. Obviously, the owner is not going to be that visible uh, as far as having to answer these questions. And what we have learned really over the past you know year and a half now, but especially this past week, is this stuff is not going away. There are going to be new developments. It's not necessarily just going to be, uh, you know, journalists kind of showing up, asking the same questions every time. There are new developments that that organization will have to constantly be answering to uh, as far as Deshaun Watson goes. And, you know, look, the only time we saw Deshaun Watson speak publicly on this was, you know, at that introductory press conference. And he sat between Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, and he insisted that he has never disrespected a woman. That is that's their company line right now. I mean, that's what their quarterback said. They didn't correct him. They sort of had a chance to uh, come out and do that. I understand why they didn't. I mean, he's, he's now the face of your franchise. They didn't want to necessarily undercut him uh, right at the start there. But, you know, that was Deshaun Watson's statement. And they kind of, you know, it was sort of a tacit approval of it when they set out there and now they're going it, to, it's going to be, it's going to be weeks and months, uh, you know, because it seems like Deshaun Watson is not going to suddenly do an about face here uh, as far as, uh, you know, kind of taking uh, responsibility and showing some sort of contrition for, uh, for what has gone on.
5: Gary, every year there seems to be a team that it feels like there's going to be an immense amount of pressure on them to reach the Super Bowl, And the last couple of years, it's been Tampa Bay buck in the Green Bay Packers, Kansas city chiefs, I think the team this year, and I think they're sort of going under a radar, even though they might have the best roster in football, the Buffalo Bills. It just doesn't feel like we're talking about them enough in terms of, hey, look, this team can actually get to the Super Bowl this year.
9: Yeah, it's almost a, it's almost kind of boring, Jeff. They they just they didn't do any I mean, they got Von Miller. I don't want to say Von Miller is not a huge move, but you know, you see what like the Chargers did or the Broncos bringing Russell Wilson and that AFC is just so uh I mean, my goodness, it is just stacked. Uh the Bills just, you know, we saw what they were last year and they're going to be that again this year. Uh the the most interesting thing to me is You saw, I I don't want to say like Patrick Mahomes was solved as if like Patrick Mahomes is going to go out there and uh, have like a Kirk Cousins season or something like that. But uh, you saw Patrick Mahomes really struggle in the second half of that AFC title game. Nobody slowed Josh Allen down last year. I mean, you look at his two postseason games. They were historic. (laughs) I mean, they were they were incredible. He was almost literally unstoppable. And if you consider uh, the weapons the Chiefs have lost and, and, and all that, I mean. Look, I would consider Josh Allen the front runner for MVP. And uh, I know, uh, you know, if you get into the betting action here, uh, I, I think the, I, I think the bills, I could be wrong on that. I think the bills are the, are the favorite right yeah, now to win yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and it makes sense. I think the question for them is uh, when you get to the postseason. I mean, one, Josh, look, Josh Allen might just outscore everyone. Uh, and it might not matter what else happens with that team at this point. Their issue in the postseason has been obviously the defense has not been able to get a stop when they need to get one. I think it's been a matter of uh, they just don't finish. That pass rush is not necessarily bad. They just don't finish. And uh, that's what you need to do when you are facing Patrick Mahomes or going forward, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Russell, whoever might be in that AFC uh, just gauntlet of of a postseason.
3: They brought in uh, Von Miller to finish, uh, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, and get to that quarterback. Uh, you threw out a couple names there. I want to get division specific from you. Which team is not going to make the playoffs in the AFC West? Because I think all four teams have playoff level
9: rosters. One of them yeah. can't make it. Who's it going to be? Well, I mean, Jody, you you can get all four in there with the seventh playoff team. Now, I think this is probably the but best they got to beat up on each other, right? I they got to play each other twice. They got, Could they, got, they have one of the most talented the Yes, but they they, got, they all they got to make it at nine and seven? They all got to run the rest of the uh, of the league here uh, in the AFC. I mean, it's probably the Raiders. Uh, it, it's just uh, you know, it, it's I, and I think the Raiders were for real last year. I think that was a legitimate playoff team. I actually think they were a little bit better than their final record ended up showing they had uh th- th- their red zone stuff was, was weird. Uh, They're going to be a bad red zone defense, but not, I mean, they were like just really, really bad last year. Uh, I think that corrects itself. That just sort of naturally regresses back toward the mean a little bit. And I think they uh, they'll be all right. You'd pick the Raiders. I mean, it just on paper, they are, they are the fourth best team in that division. I could see, the Broncos having some growing pains with Russell Wilson going in there. Uh, I do think Nathaniel Hackett is the right coach. Obviously, you know, I, I, I think between the thumb and just being generally banged up last year, I think that's why you saw Russ really uh, slide back even when he came back from injury. But, yeah, it's it's the Raiders. It's a bummer because it, it is a good team. But, you know, it's it's probably the Raiders here.
5: I'll tell you what's right. what I- uh, Gary, well, one thing I'm getting in the way with is the unfair criticism of Justin Herbert. And every time I post out Justin Herbert's out where, what's his playoff record? <laughs> you know, they do know, like, they do know what he did in the fourth quarter against the Raiders last year, right? In that game, it's I think he was six for six on fourth down or something like that. It was absolutely insane. I think his pass rank on fourth down for the year was like 130. It's, I just feel like Justin Herbert's getting a lot of unfair criticism for being really, really good.
9: It's a, you know, he's got to go out there and make a stop on defense. He's got to line up on linebacker and uh, and, and you know get off the field there. Uh, for, and look, I, I just spoke highly of Josh Allen, obviously. And I, 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 you know, everyone likes Josh Allen. That's not much of a take there. Uh, if I were building a team right now, it would be Justin Herbert would be uh, uh, my number one pick above Mahomes, uh, above Allen, above Burrow. Uh, you said if you go back and Watch the end of that Raiders game. Not the end, but the fourth quarter. There, uh, some of those throws he was making on third and forever, fourth down. He was incredible. I mean, it was otherworldly. It was, it was, it was like nothing I've ever seen uh, from a quarterback. And obviously, he has physically everything you want. He's shown that he has the mental fortitude to make these kind of plays. The defense has to keep up with them. Uh, I, I think they'll do that. I think a B minus performance from that defense is good enough for. I'm picking the Chargers to win that division. Uh, I, I do think they surpassed the Chiefs this year, but uh, uh, Herbert is. I mean, he is. He is the future of this thing. This is. <laughs> and, and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, this is what this is what quarterbacks are going to look like uh, for the next uh, two decades here, at least the superstars.
3: Right, and they all seem to be in the AFC, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And my guy too, I think, is going to have an improved year. Don't know if he can get to the level of Herbert, but <laughs> I think he's going to be improved. And he's going be a gauntlet. I like the word you used earlier, Gary. The gauntlet that is the AFC. All right, let's jump over to the easier conference, the NFC where, well, yeah, the Rams are the defending champs and they're paying a whole bunch of money to make sure they get another shot at it. We want to ask you about the NFC East, the home of the team we talked about, most Shambridge, 365, which is the Philadelphia Eagles. Did they catch? Are they close? Or have they surpassed the
9: Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East? Close. I'd still pick the Cowboys in the division. Uh division. It's... It... It comes down to Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's, that's really it. I think Jonathan Gannon, uh, I, I think you got a taste of what he wants to be last year. And, and it's really it's similar to what a lot of defenses in the league are right now, which is you don't want to blitz a lot. You want to play those split safety looks. I think the way they're uh, construed on defense there, that's what they're going to be. And they could be really good at it. That pass rush might end up being dominant. They're, they're, you know, the Eagles are obviously really good in the trenches on both sides of the ball here. Uh, it's it's the quarterback, and for all the good things that happened with Jalen Hurts last year, uh, it's tough to get past that postseason performance where, uh, you know, they got a quality defense, uh, they go on the road and they just they they weren't up to the task. It it just wasn't good enough to uh to to compete in that game. So. We'll see what they can build going forward here. Obviously, AJ Brown is is a is a nice addition for your quarterback there. Uh, Devontae Smith is probably going to take off a little bit this year. They, they have all the pieces around him. I don't know what happens if they get into one of those uh, you know postseason games, or even you know even uh, I, I don't know exactly what the schedule is or, or when they get the Cowboys here uh, late in the year. But if you need that win. Uh, and you fall behind by maybe 10, 14 points early on, is Jalen Hurts the guy who can bring you back? Uh, I, we'll see. And, and look, I, I think the Eagles are, are sort of waiting to see too. That's why they, they wanted to get that second first round pick in next year's draft in case they uh, have to move that uh, either to get up and get a guy or to move it for a, for a veteran to bring in. What is Jalen Hurts' ceiling? Can he be a top five, top ten quarterback? <sighs> Boy, uh, top five, top ten is is tough. Uh, you know, it, we just ran through all these guys who are uh, just going to be, I, I think just consistent MVP contenders. I don't think he's an MVP contender. Uh, I mean, if you're looking around the league and looking for a comp, is he, um, you don't want to say Lamar. Stylistically, he just, he doesn't move like Lamar. No one moves like Lamar. Uh, and I think he's also a little bit behind Lamar as far as, uh, you know, his, his progression as a passer here. Uh, could you, sort of build an offense that is kind of, you know, the Shanahan style. Uh, I don't know if the Eagles want to do this. Uh, the Shanahan style sort of highly schemed, a lot of play action stuff. Uh, you can have a multi multidimensional uh, run game that you can build around him. Obviously, I think he's a guy who you're going to have to build a very specific system around him. Uh, and I don't know if he necessarily grows beyond that in the way that you've seen. Uh, you know, some of these younger guys grow beyond it over the, over the next couple of years. That's, that's not much of an answer there, but, uh, if you're going to put a number on it, yeah, he could be a top half of the league starter. I don't know if he gets there, uh, in one year. And frankly, I look, I think the Eagles this time last year were, were sort of one foot out on him. Uh, they were, you know, they were ready to at least, uh, look into Deshaun Watson and, and see if, uh, they could get him in there. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he gets I don't know if he gets a chance in 2023 if he doesn't take off in 2022. And I think that's a really big ask of a young quarterback uh, who's where he is right now.
3: Gary, follow up on Jalen Hurts and the league in general. Um, the Eagles last year did run a good number of RPOs, which is run pass option plays. And you're putting a lot of pressure on your quarterback to make that decision in a split second in-game with everything going on around them, and then being able to execute thereafter. Um, There are a bunch of teams in the NFL that like to employ it. The Eagles, percentage-wise, maybe did more than a lot of other teams. Is run-pass option the way to go in the NFL? Are the teams that are doing it getting an advantage, or are they putting themselves in more of a risky position where you're asking the quarterback to be not only good – but pinpoint perfect in decision-making as well. What's the future of RPOs
9: in Philadelphia and the National Football League? So I, I know I don't have three hours for the answer here. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you You got my, a solid 15 minutes
3: if you need it, big guy.
9: <laughs> I'll give you... It's because it's, it's I had the technical problems early on. I got here late. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you my sort of... Uh, and and this, this is my tip. This is what I've gathered from, from uh, people I've spoken to and just sort of looking at what's going on around the league. Uh, I mean, right now the biggest trend of the league, right? Yes, RPOs are are still big. That that's an early down weapon that teams can use. Uh, the Shanahan style, the you know, basically the outside zone run, complemented by the play action stuff. Uh, that is, I mean, it, it's it's close to half the teams in the league are running that as sort of their uh, basic staple of their offense uh, right now. It's really interesting what's going on in Cincinnati because Zach Taylor is a guy who, you know, he he came up under Sean McVay. That's not a Sean McVay offense. I mean that that's it's it's really what you would have seen maybe uh, with with a Tom Brady or a or a Philip River. I mean, what they're asking him to do is run a very veteran. Uh, you know, spread it out. Uh, you know, figure it out before the snap. Make your make your reads post snap very quickly and get the ball out. Uh, no one really does that with young quarterbacks anymore. And I think what you're seeing with Joe Burrow is you can if if you can find a young quarterback who can do that, uh, you can you can go to the Super Bowl with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you know, it's 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 so much easier said than done uh obviously everyone wants to get these young guys on the field as soon as possible i think you are going to see some guys who there's always going to be you know if, if you have the physical talent of a of a, of a mahomes of an allen of a uh a herbert a lamar jackson those guys will always you know you can do uh, things with them you can take off uh i wonder if you are going to see the reemergence, uh and i don't think it's gonna be league wide but in some spots of sort of less physically gifted quarterbacks becoming superstars uh, playing in that kind of offense, which we just don't see a whole lot anymore. But uh, you know, there's a reason Tom Brady is so effective at uh, age 78 or whatever he is right now, Uh, it is, it is almost impossible to defend on a consistent basis here. Gary,
5: one of the teams I'm really taking an interest in this year and maybe it's because of the local thing, but the New Orleans Saints, the Eagles have their first round draft pick and there's a lot of moves. They made this all season. I like, you know, Marcus May, Chris Salave, Tyron Matthew. But I don't think their head coach could coach his way out of a wet paper bag. And that's Dennis Allen. So what is your outlook for the Saints this year?
9: It's a, you know, it's interesting. When Brady was retired, it was kind of like, huh, Saints are going to win this division, huh? And and now it's, now they're probably not. Although obviously uh, Dennis Allen has had Tom Brady's number for, uh, for, for great whatever reason. I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> It's, it's wild the way that sort of played out there, but we'll see. I mean, look, I, I just, I can't get behind that quarterback. Uh, and, you know, I think that is a team that's going to be in the wild card hunt. I, I think they're clearly behind the bucks in that division. Uh, yeah, they could, you know, they could win nine, 10 games. Uh, even before James Winston got hurt last year, that's kind of how they're doing it anyway. Uh, sort of, sort of managing around him at that point. So, yeah, they could be there. I'm not sure what the ceiling is. Uh, I, I, it's really difficult to picture them winning a postseason game. I mean, anyone can win a post. You get a whatever. You get a couple fumbles, and then all of a sudden things turn. But uh, legitimately, I, I just can't see them going into the playoffs. If we could get way ahead of ourselves and uh, being anything more than like a touchdown underdog, uh, and rightfully so, the quarterback just he's not for me it's 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 been too long he's the same mistakes he was making back at florida state he makes uh in the nfl they they can't trust him uh to throw the ball over the middle of the field for the most part i i think that's their their downfall but in that conference yeah that's that's a that's a wild card team uh if if you get the right breaks there if you uh uh end up taking the ball away 30 times this year uh it might be a 10 or 11 win team
3: Gary, don't want to ask you to get too far ahead of yourself like playoffs. Uh, So let me stick to the regular season back into the NFC East again. Last year, the Eagles made the playoffs wild card, finished behind the Cowboys, got beat by them once. Second game doesn't count because they put their JV out there Mm -hmm. when they didn't really even try. Uh, And hopefully they play both games against the Cowboys with something on the line this year. They're not playing week 18. So it's going to happen. Um, they need to get one against the Cowboys. Uh, they probably need to get three of four against uh, the commanders and the Giants. That's what they did last year, got three out of four. It was the Giants who jump up and bid them rather than Washington. But Washington finished with the better record. Which of the two teams behind the Eagles and the Cowboys in the NFC East do you have the most respect for coming into the season? As limited as it may be in either case, what do you
9: think has got the better squad the Commanders or the Giants? I'm actually look I I'm probably the last Daniel Jones apologist out there right now but really? uh, I'd actually I I am really interested to see what he becomes with Brian Dable. I I think what he was asked to do, I I don't think Pat Shermer was the right guy for him uh, early on. And then uh, obviously uh, I I don't think Jason Garrett and Joe Judge were were the right guy for anyone uh, the last two seasons here. So uh, we'll see if it's too late for him or not. But uh, between those two teams in 2022, you'd have to go to the commanders here because uh, uh, setting aside, you know, their quarterback who has a, a wide variance as you guys As you guys know, uh, as far as where he could land, as far as performance goes, that defense is built roster wise to to win in the way that defenses have to win in 2022, which is doing it without a blitz uh, controlling the uh, the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's that's what they have. They have all those first round picks up there. Chase Young coming back. That should be, in theory, uh, a very good defense. They were—I'm—I'm I'm not sure what went on with them in the first half of last year. They were a disorganized mess. Uh, we'll see if they get that sorted out. But yeah, I and mean, that can be a team that goes out there and wins a lot of—you uh, know—twenty to sixteen type of games, and 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 really bothers people that way. And then you get to December, January up in the Northeast on that uh, cruddy field, <laughs> and, and you know they could they could they could steal a couple games there. I I think they are in the wild card conversation. Uh, but obviously, you know, as as you point out, they are they are, uh, behind those top two teams in the division.
5: Gary, I, I thought one thing this week, you know, just being a national guy like you, because everything was so topsy-turvy, hectic this week with Deshaun Watson and everything going on, this guy swept under the rug a bit. Drew Brees is not broadcasting anymore. He's not with NBC. He's out after one year. We know what Tom Brady's going to get from Fox eventually. Does this seem like a, do you think Tom Brady's really going to be a good broadcaster? Do we think he's going to take the Drew Brees route?
9: It's funny. I mean, look, Drew Brees was supposed to be great and, and maybe he would have become great, but he wasn't very good last year. And Jason Witten, I mean, the way people talk about Jason Witten five years ago, uh, he was going to be the next Romo. He was going to be the the next huge thing. There was going to be a, a, you know, a, a bidding war to get his services and, uh, obviously, he was just you know that he was he was maybe good enough to be uh, you know on the sixth team on uh, on the AFC or, or, or excuse me to the CBS or yeah or, uh, I mean football I, I yeah, because of him so it's it, and that's the thing it, there's <laughs> the magic of of Romo and even of Chris Collinsworth is you're you're learning stuff but those guys also have that kind of shtick that kind of really enthusiastic uh you know just just happy to be there get you into the game type of thing we'll see Uh, I I think we have no idea if Brady's going to be good or not uh Lord knows the guy knows football uh but you put him in a booth is he going to uh uh is he going to give you more than you know kind of the uh you know just sort of general uh, what you got from Breeze is just kind of general uh uh, big picture, generic coach speak type thing. It, it felt a lot of times like you were playing uh you were playing Madden, and it was sort of the preloaded <laughs> the preloaded comments from the uh, from the announcers there. So we'll see. I mean, look, we're all going to watch early on uh, more, much more so than you know. I don't, I don't know if anyone's really moved by Drew Brees doing the uh, you know Thanksgiving night game or or whatever games he ended up doing, but the first game Tom Brady does, we're all. We're all tuning in to see how it goes.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna say he's not gonna be the GOAT of announcers, but I will not bet against him either. I've been too wrong about the guy. I've been saying, oh, this is the start of the drop off <laughs> for Don Brady for a decade now. So until he goes up to the game and isn't good, I'm gonna believe he's gonna be very good at whatever the hell he does. Gary, great stuff. Appreciate you streaming in with us today. Thanks, buddy. We will be back again before the season starts.
9: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
3: Gary Gramling, uh, one of the lead NFL writers for Sports Illustrated, here with us on Birds 365. All right, coming back, uh, Jeff Kerr, Jody McDonald, We got one more segment of Birds 365. Stay here.
1: Go for the poles and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly.
7: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
8: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me
9: that bottle is cut in half?
8: You could say that.
6: Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. All right, did you
1: know I was the Mommy Slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. <sighs> so go to, to the mama. mama, go up, oh, Mama, <laughs>
0: He did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings.
1: United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
3: All right, Jeff Kerr, doing a good job in for Johnny Mac here on Street 365. Thank you very much. I see you got the ocean backdrop. Uh, other than going down to ocean and maybe making a couple of bucks... You, like other national writers for the National Football League, get to take a deep breath here over the next month. Some teams still using their off-season time, even though the Eagles have already said, no, that's enough for us. We'll we'll start vacay now. Thank you very much. Uh, what do you got planned? What are you going to be trying to come up with different angles for the quote-unquote down season of the National Football League? Oh, I got my big article coming out in July, and I'm going to start when I get back from Vegas next week.
5: Uh, The top 10 quarterback coach duos, which there may only be 10 because my criteria is very strong and you have to actually have been a quarterback coach duo last year and the whole league switched. You know, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson were always in my top five. Uh, Mahomes and Reed are still around. The Burrow and Taylor will probably be up there. Uh, But Arians and Brady, my number one last year, is gone. Maybe Sirianni and Hurts make it. Who knows? Um, I I got a bunch of notes right next to me on my desk here. that's what I'll be digging into. Very man.
3: nice. I had thought days. along those lines. I'll be waiting yeah, for that one to come out. All right, Eagles done for the offseason. Uh, John and I are going to beat this up for the next six weeks, and we'll have you in from time to time to do just that. But uh, are the Eagles going to reap the benefits that they think they are when camp opens up? Everybody's going to be healthy. So all that non-work during the pre preseason is going to pay the dividends supposed to stay staying healthy. Will the Eagles truly take advantage of that?
5: It worked last year. Uh, We'll see how it works this year in camp. Um, You know, I hope no one tears their ACL on the first practice. No one, none of these players. I I don't want to see anything happen to these guys. I I hope that they have the light practices again. And it seemed to work out well for them. It seems like the Eagles really ramped it up for their joint practices, as we talked about many times on purpose 365 last year. And I was filling in, Uh, you know, they were the joint practice champions and McMullen made fun of it. I made fun of it. But at the end of the day, they were pretty healthy toward the end of the year last year, and that's what what was the most important aspect of that football
3: team. Undefeated is undefeated, and they were undefeated in the joint practices. We'll see if they can spin that again this year. Uh, J.K., appreciate you jumping into the lurch last minute. John didn't know he was going to have to run down the Care complex. So thank you very much for jumping in with us today. I know you're gonna, we'll have you on next week, the week after, the week after that. Uh, you are a great off-the-bench guy. Thanks for doing it with us today.
5: Yeah, and I don't have any spite for filling in for McMullen like the PGA Tour does for uh, Live Golf or whatever ooh, they call it.
3: Ooh, if we had if we had ten more minutes to talk golf, we oh can get man, anything.
5: I, I could talk golf for the next five hours right now. I, I am in trouble by what's going on right now in that
3: sport. Yeah, and there, there's a whole bunch of people getting paid here uh, and more power to them. Uh, JK, thanks, buddy. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. That'll do it for us here on Bird Street 65. Supposedly McMullen back tomorrow, unless he gets called down to Novacare Complex. And if that happens, then I'm going to call Kerr and we're going to flip the deck again tomorrow. You shall see. Uh, but Johnny Mac is supposed to be what it is. It's supposed to be a triple Mac attack tomorrow. McMullen, McDonald, and John McClain. Uh, columnist for the Houston uh, Chronicle Forever, who's quasi-retaught. Oh, he's still doing some work. He's doing some radio work. Uh, So we got McClain on to talk about the entire National Football League and a little Deshaun Watson while we've got him. Should be fun. Hope you're back here tomorrow with us on Birds 365.
2: You've been listening to Birds 365, (laughs) the destination for the passionate,